Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We'll wake this morning. Hey, listen, we I don't know about you, but I'm awake this morning. I didn't have to be here at 845. I know he's watching. But uh, anyhow, um, I just wanted to say that, you know, this week as, as I was preparing for this message just a little bit, I know that our, our hearts were heavy. And uh, as Karen already said, the love and the support that our church give to the Fields family. I, I can't be more honored and more just thankful that you guys are my family. And uh, the love that you send them. And uh, Pastor Sean, he will be back Sunday, uh, next Sunday. So uh, they're living the high life this next few days. And uh, But anyhow, I'm just, uh, I've been really asking the Lord all week what he wanted me to speak and, and it's sometimes you have messages that just come to you and listen they just flow really good but this week it's kind of like Pastor Sean preached last week it's just you have to dig some things out amen has anybody ever had to dig some things out good thank you but uh, in, um, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 16 verse number 13 through 18 if you would could you stand for the reading of the word this morning In verse number 13, it said, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But this is what I like what he said. He said unto them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And verse number 18 says, And I say, and I also say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. If you would, just for the next few moments, allow me to to speak a word that the Lord's laid on my heart is, who do you say that I am this morning? And if you would, just bow your heads and stretch your hands toward heaven and pray with me and pray for me this morning. Dear God, our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. God, we love you, we praise you, and we ask you right now, Lord, that you would just come down through heaven, Lord, that you would just preach through me this morning, Lord. God, as I open my mouth, Lord, I pray that you would fill each and every word, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would ordain it, Lord. And God, I pray that you would just open our ears to hear what you would want to say, Lord. And God, I pray that we leave changed in what we come in, Lord. God, let us be more ready to be doers of the word and not just hearers. But God, I'm asking you this morning, Lord, we want to know who you are, Lord. God, we just don't want to go through the motions, but God... I ask you that you would just take and that you would hide me, Lord. That you would speak through me this morning, Lord. And God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. You can be seated this morning. As I was preparing for this, one day there was a crowded airline flight that was canceled. And there was one single gate attendant that was at the desk and she was responsible for rebooking all the long line of irritated travelers. Suddenly, an angry passenger, he pushed his way to the desk and he slapped down his ticket on the counter and said, I have to be on the next flight and it has to be a first-class seat. The agent gently replied, 
I'm sorry, sir. I'll be happy to help you when it's your turn. But first, I have to help all these folks that are, that are in line ahead of you. Not being put off, the angry passengers loudly said, he said with a loud voice, Do you have any idea who I am? Without hesitation, the gate attendant, she grabbed the public address microphone and her voice bellowed out of the terminal saying, May I have your attention, please? I have a passenger at gate 17 that does not know who he is. If anyone can help him discover his identity, please come to gate 17. And the folks in the line, they began to laugh hysterically while the men grinned at his teeth and he returned to his place in line. How many knows that sometimes you got to know who you are? And, and I run across another one. I, I'm not much into these a whole lot, but there was a preacher that visited a nursing home with some uh, patients with Alzheimer's. And he went up to and greeted one old lady and he said, Ma'am, do you know who I am? She said, No, but you can go to the front desk and they can tell you. But you know, as I began to study and I began to pray and I asked God, I said, God, what, what do you want me to speak? And, and I know that there's a ball game that's at 2.30. I've already been told that a few times. And, and uh, I've already been told by Muncie to get straight to the point. There's no need of, of going the long way around. And, uh, and I told him, I said, if you'll help me, Muncie, I'm not going to be too long this morning. But uh, there's one thing that I know about who I am as a person. I know that over the last 44 years of my life, there's a quite a few things that I can't tell you what people think about me sometimes, but there's a few things that I can tell you. That I'm a husband, that I'm a father, that I'm a brother, that I'm a son, that I'm a minister, I'm an uncle, I'm a gym rat, I, I like sports, I like to eat a lot. I like to eat a lot, but you know what? I have a one-of-a-kind sense of humor. And my love for Jesus and for people. Those are a few things that I, I could tell you this morning about Dwight. And that's who I know that I am. But I, I believe that whenever we start thinking about Jesus and, and we start thinking about other things, there's a whole lot of different things that people think about Jesus. Some people only know him as a cuss word. Some people may, may only know him as, as a good man. Some may only know him as a prophet. Or a, or a good teacher. Some people may know him as just being crazy. Some others may just call him Lord and Savior this morning. But you know what? Whenever we read right here in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked a very deep question. He said, who do you say that I am this morning? And sometimes just taking a look back, because whenever I read across this, John, I had to take a little step back and I had to ask myself, I had to say, God, who are you to me? It's not enough about what somebody else says that you are. It's not about enough about what other people think that you are. It's not about what I hear the TV evangelist or Pastor Sean or, or my great-grandmom or, or somebody else. But it's who are you to me this morning? You see, so many times we come to church and we do the, the right thing so many times. But you know what? We don't have a relationship like we're supposed to have with Him. You see, sometimes we have that surface relationship. Just like Pastor Sean preached last week, and it really stirred me a little bit, is whenever you're going to dig for a treasure, that puts forth effort. You have to go down and you have to put forth effort to dig for something. The only time that you're going to find something that's valuable is whenever you begin to dig for it. Because if it was in plain sight, somebody else would already have found it. You see, the question is truly more relevant today than ever before. 
You see, many people, they know Jesus as a get-out-of-hell-free card. Sometimes we come to church and we think it's no more than just a social gathering place. That it's the right thing for us to do is, is you know what, we need to get up and we need to show ourselves uh, present at church on Sunday mornings. We need to go through the routines. Listen, the sinner can raise their hands. All I know is, listen, whenever I was in the world and I would go to a secular concert, we would do the same thing. We would lift our hands and we would just get in. But you know what? Listen, sometimes all we believe is just a get-out-of-hell-free card. And you know what? We have a lot of head knowledge about who Jesus is, but we don't have no heart knowledge about who Jesus is. And I heard one man preach a message one time, and he said the difference between heaven and hell is about six inches. That's from your mouth to your heart. I would dare to say more now than ever, the church needs to get down to business. I would say more now than ever, God is saying, you know what, I want you to get desperate after me. I want you to get intimate for me. I want you to know the plans that I have for you. I want you to know me like you've never known me before. I don't want you to take for granted what the preacher's saying all the time. I don't want you to take for granted what your grandma told you that he was. I don't want you to take for granted what your mama said. But I want a relationship with you this morning. You see, it's not just enough to come through the formalities. It was a great praise and worship service. And I felt the presence of God usher into this place whenever they began to start singing a little bit. But I'm going to tell you, we need to know the presence of God. Too many times we're prostituting His Word. You want to know why people don't come to churches? Because we don't live the same way in the church or outside of the church as we do inside the church. So many times we, we want to know why our family's not getting saved. So many times we want to know why God's not moving or God, why God's not doing certain things in our lives. It's because we don't live the way that we're supposed to be living. I know that this may not be popular, but I believe that still God is calling the church back to holiness. I believe that He's calling us back to living right. I believe that He's calling us back to pray. I believe that He's calling us back to get into His Word. I believe that He's calling us back to get into His presence. Hey man, I believe that God's trying to get a hold of us instead of prostituting Him. You see, I believe that whenever you get saved, I believe that there's a change that will take place in your life. I believe that there's something that will begin to happen inside of you. You see, there's too many times that people are coming to an altar, but they're having no change. They're leaving the same way that they come in. You see, the only time that we, that we get a hold of God is sometimes the only time that we go over here and we get the, the Bible off of our little... Uh, bookshelf and we we blow the dust off of it a little bit because you know what the only time that we need him is when all hell's breaking loose in our life that's the only time that we talk to him if the only time that we ever open our bible or the only time we ever read the word is when it's placed on the screen then what kind of relationship are we got with him this morning if the only time that we pray is whenever we got a situation or a problem that's going on in our life how, what kind of relationship do you truly have with him this morning? You see, I truly believe that a lot of times it's kind of like one of those glass boxes with one of those hammers. It says breaking in case of an emergency. And that's the way that we view our God this morning. The only time that we need him is whenever we have an emergency that's in our life. In Matthew chapter 15, verse number 8 and 9, it says, These people draw near with me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts far from me you see people want to go to heaven but they don't want to have Jesus you see I, I read an online poll this week and it was from uh, the Pew researchers and, and uh, from some time back and the question was asked what is the key to get into heaven 
And some of the choices were already made out and you had to choose them. And this is what they said. They said, living a good life was 60.5%. Having connections with somebody at the top is 32.5%. Helping old ladies cross the street is 2.2%. Giving a large amount to the church was 1.7%. Having a strong letter of reference is 1.6%. Or you know what, just making a deal with the devil, that got 1%. And that was out of 8,602 votes. And then it went on to say, the next question that it asked is, are you going to heaven? 91.2% said yes. 8.8% said no out of 10,284 people. Out of the Pew Research Center, 83% of Americans describe themselves as being a Christian. Listen, if you've ever went out and you witnessed, and 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 I've done this, I went door to door and I've handed out flyers and I said, hey, I want to invite you to to church at Freedom Point. They say, oh, we we go to church somewhere. I said, oh, that's great. I said, where do you guys go to church? Uh, That one up the road there. What is that pastor? Hey, honey, what's the pastor's name? Listen, I just smiled. I said, well, if you get a chance and you're running behind, just come visit us one day. But you know what? 83% describe themselves as being a Christian. 46% of them people say that Jesus lived a sinless life. It went on to say that 56% of believers in the church believe in the Bible. That 40% believe that if they don't have Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that they will go to hell. Hey, man, we're living in a day and time where, listen, we're saying anything goes. The word has been so watered down. We've had such a loose doctrine that, listen, they, they believe that you can live any old way and still make it to heaven. In Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13, when Jesus came into the region of, of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? You see, Jesus had taken his disciples away from the crowd because of all the hustle and the bustle. Caesarea Philippi was about 25 miles north of the Jordan River and it was in the most pagan city in all of Israel. There was no more. This was a place where it was the very center of Baal worship. You see, I truly believe that there was many shrines here whenever I got to doing some studying and there was all kinds of paganistic gods that were here. And one of them was... The, the God of Pan. And Pan was half man and he was half goat. Listen, he wasn't Tom Brady, but listen, he, he was the goat. And he was the God of nature. You see, the shrine of Pan is located in front of a large opening revealing a very deep pit that is known as the gate of hell. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in places and in, in times in my life where, you know what, I find myself in a place where I put other things in front of God. I've got other God. Listen, we may not go out and we may not say that we serve the God of Pan, but you know what? We will go out and say, you know what? We serve the God of, of basketball. We'll go out and we'll say, you know what? I, we serve the God of shopping. We may go out and say, you know what? We serve the God of outdoor sports. Listen, He was the God of nature, and there's still some people that, listen, when it's pretty outside, listen, you'll forsake God and you'll go serve the God of nature. Hey man, please somebody help me just a little bit because I'm going to need some help. 
But you know what? So many times we put other things in front of God. And whatever the number one thing that you place in front of your God, that is your God this morning. The thing that you put your most time into, the thing that you think about the most, that is the thing that you are worshiping. And you see, that's just so much like the world today. It's whatever feels good. We, we got a Burger King type religion this morning in a lot of our churches across America. If it makes me feel good, then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do it. But you see, that's not the way that it should be. You see, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? This is a statement. This is a similar to kind of the poll that I gave you just a little bit earlier. And you know what? How many knows that somebody's just not going to come up to Pastor Sean and say, man, you know, that message was just a, it wasn't as good as it was last week. They said, you crazy if you do. Or how about if you went up to him and say, is that all you got, bro? You, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes things get skewed. They, they get misunderstood. There, some people are not going to tell you to your face how they really feel about you. Sometimes they'll tell the people that you run with a little bit, and you'll kind of catch wind. Have you ever done that before? you ever caught wind like that? And uh, it, it's not real popular. I pray that you talk good about me. I'll find out, and I'll come for it. No, I'm just kidding. But, but whenever we, they started reading out, Jesus asked him, which he already knew the answer. That's what is so funny about it. But people let people's opinion change their opinion. You see, I, I don't know about you, but you take my wife, for instance. I, I'm going to talk about you just for a minute. But you let her drive through the McDonald's drive-thru. The first thing that she will do, she will open that bag. Shut your mouth. Listen, that's a large fry, and they give me a meat. I'm going back in. Now, I'm telling you the God's honest truth. If, if you work at McDonald's, please, and you see my wife come, give her, throw some fries in the bag and say, you know what, that's a blessing for you, sister. Because she will come back in. And, and the thing about it is, is we let what other people think about, we let our opinions change other people's mind. Other people's opinion will change our mind. You can, go, you can say, I'm going to go to Texas Roadhouse today, and you can get on the menu right now, and you can start reading, you can scroll down, and then you're like, man, they make the best steaks in the world. And then by the time you get done reading what people post about it, it's like, man, that place is a dump. That place right there, I had to wait, 50, I had to wait 35 minutes for my food. By the time that you get done, that was your favorite restaurant, you're like, man, I'm not even going there. I hate that place. Because we let what other people say opinionate what we think about something. You see, what polls told them is they assume to be right and all along with the world's opinion. The world wants us to feel like we know what's going on. We, we want to all be opinionated. All you got to do is turn on the TV and you can read about Trump and Russia. You can read about the Republicans and the Democrats. And there's, in the church realm, how many knows that 40% of Christians don't believe that there's a literal hell? You see, whether you believe in God or no God, listen, the Bible said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Listen, it doesn't matter if you believe that there's a heaven or a hell, but I'm going to tell you someday, there's going to be a day whenever we die and we're going to have to stand before a holy God and then you'll know whether there's a heaven or hell.
Hey man, I'm going to tell you, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 14 says, and some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Why did they say this? These men, why did they say them? In John, or Matthew chapter 6, verse number 16, but when Harold heard, he said that John, whom I beheaded, has been risen from the dead. He went on to say, and some thought it was that Jesus was Elijah because Elijah was, was to come before the Messiah in Malachi chapter 4, verse number 5 and 6. Some believed that it was Jeremiah that had hid the ark and that he would come and he would reveal it before the Messiah would come back. You see, those are the days that they lived in back then. Today, we still have a lot of people that have an opinion about Jesus. You see, the Buddhists, they believe that Jesus was a wise man who taught similar sayings to Buddha. The Hindus, they believe that Jesus was reincarnated of God similar to Krishna was a wise man. Jehovah's Witness, they believe that he was Christ, that God was creation through the archangel Michael who became a man. The Mormons, they believe that one of the spirit beings that were used to make all humans and the spirit brother of Lucifer that became the devil. Muslims, they believe that Jesus was a prophet and done great miracles, but he was not crucified and raised from the dead. Muslims, so, and then uh, the last one that I have was from an agnostic. His name was Brent Russell, and he said that, he quoted and he said it was doubtful whether Christ ever existed at all. And if he did, we know nothing about him. And I thought, well, that guy is an idiot. But today there's so many who know about Jesus, but they don't know nothing about him. We can gather in our pews on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, and I'm going to tell you something. If you've not been coming on Wednesday nights, Listen, you're missing a blessing. You are absolutely missing a blessing because God's doing some great things in our church. And, and I'm going to say, listen, you need to be here on Wednesday nights to see what God's doing because we need to know more about Him. You see, so many people say that He was a good man, that He was a wise teacher, or they think that He was a certified lunatic or a great deceiver. Listen, if you think that Jesus was just a wise or a good teacher, listen, then you're putting Him in the same category as Dr. Phil and Oprah. But you know what? He was more than that. And I'm going to tell you something, and I truly believe this more now than I ever have in our Pentecostal church. And I believe that we need an experience from God. I, need to, we, I, I believe that we need to experience God. I believe that we need to experience for, for everything that's within, inside of us. I don't believe that you need to take my advice for it, but I, need, I believe that we need to experience Him for ourselves. And I truly believe that whenever you begin to experience the power of God, I believe that, listen, you don't care about what another opinion poll will say. I don't believe that you'll care about what anybody else down the road says about you. I don't believe that you'll care about what your work may say about you. I believe that, listen, all you'll care about is getting into His presence. Hey man, I don't know about you, but there's just something about when I can get into His presence. Whenever I can experience the Holy Ghost or, or God just saturate me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. There's just something that happens to me. You see, but I truly believe that 
that people have talked about in our Pentecostal churches, and, and Karen said it this morning in, in our Sunday school class, that you know what, they, they've talked about that it's all in a shout so much that we don't even experience a Pentecostal move in our Pentecostal churches anymore. But I believe that God wants to put a shout back in our churches. I believe that God wants to put some tongues back in our churches. I believe God wants to put some dancing back. I believe He wants to put some hand clapping back in our churches. Amen. Hey man, I still believe that God's wanting to move in our churches still today. I believe that He's still saved, delivering, and sanctifying, and setting people free. But I believe that He's going to take us pressing into His presence. In Matthew chapter 16, and this is what He said. He said to them, He said, I don't care about all that now. But this is what He wanted to say to them. He said, but who do you say that I am this morning? This question is much deeper than it appears. Jesus didn't ask them, who do you think that I am? Jesus didn't ask them uh, what they believed for him to be to them. But he asked them who he is to them. It wasn't a test, it wasn't a quiz. This was personal. And you know what? This isn't popular in the church today, but it required commitment. It required commitment on their part. And that's a lot. I believe that, and Pastor Sean's not here, but I, I, I believe that that's where our church is missing a lot of. I believe that, that we don't have commitment like we used to have. I, I believe, listen, whenever there's times, whenever it seems like that we always take for granted that the same ones will do the same thing. Listen, if Sister Karen gets up and she jumps up and down and bugs, listen, I'm going to get in because, you know what, it requires commitment if we want to get into his presence. You see, it's easier to sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to let Pastor Sean, I'm going to let somebody else do it. I'm going to let the praise and worship team usher into the presence of God. I, but you know what, it takes commitment to get down on your hands and knees when nobody's looking around. It takes commitment to get down on your face and say, God, I need you to move in my life right now. It takes commitment to say, you know what, I want to get into your presence this morning. It takes commitment upon the church. Where's our commitment today in the church? When was the last time that we were obedient and we, God said, I want you to get out and I want you to walk the seats just a little bit. I want you to walk the aisles. I want you to come up front and I want you to just worship and don't worry about what's going on. When was the last time that we were committed to Him? You see, I'd say out of all 12 of them, when Jesus asked that question, I'd say that was kind of a mic drop. Who do you say that I am? I'm out of this. I would say that I would say that when he asked it, I said not a word was probably said. I'd say they all went just like this. Just like at my house whenever we're downstairs and, and one of the girls leaves a cup or a plate or something down right in the middle of the floor of the basement. And I'll go down there, Darla, and I'll say, girls, whose plate is that? All three of them at once go, Not a word. Not a word. And then one of them will go, oh, that's mine. But if you want to get them, all you got to do is ask them who it was. But in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, Peter answered. And Peter spoke up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's not, it's not hard to say that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, when everything is going right in your life. 
It, it's, it's not hard to say that whenever it seems like that everything is just a bed of roses and, and everything's just going your way and, and, and it seems like that, that you can't do no wrong. But it's whenever all hell's breaking loose in your life. That is whenever he's wanting to know, is that, am I still the son? Am I still who you say that I am? Am I the Christ, the son of the living God, whenever it seems like there's no way out? But you see, whenever he asks this question, you can read just a few verses over that whenever they come through the storm and he spoke to those winds and they ceased. You see, they said in Matthew chapter 14 and 33, that's whenever they said, those who were in the boat and they came and they worshipped him saying, you are truly the son of the living God. You see, after feeding the 5,000 and after seeing the fish and the loaves multiplied in John chapter 6 and verse number 69 said, also we have come to believe that we know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, here Jesus is getting personal with them. He says, who am I to you? And that's what I want to ask you this morning is, who am I? Who is he? Who is Jesus to you this morning? Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ in the Greek and the Hebrew, they mean the same thing. They mean Messiah, which means the anointed one of God. The Son of the living God, they were surrounded by so many dead things in Philippi. Listen, they were all kinds of dead gods. But whenever he said that, I believe that the, real, the, the realization come to pass that, you know what, he is the Son of the living God. He's not a dead God. He's not Buddha. He's not Muhammad. He's not Harry Krishna. He's not nobody else. But I'm going to tell you something. He's still alive today. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father this morning. And I'm telling you something. He's still making intercession for me and you. Listen, I believe that if we'll know who he is, I believe God will do what what he said he would do in your life. Amen. And I believe whenever Peter said that, I believe something that happened in my heart was like, you know what? He, Jesus just didn't come for the Jews. But he come for each and every one of us. You see, to Peter, he was the anointed one who come from God. The one who is God and who is Peter's God. And I don't know about you, but that's what he is to me this morning. I remember in Pittsburgh, Kentucky, a little over 20 years ago, I remember whenever I come to an altar and I cried for about an hour and a half, Janelle, listen, my life was a mess. Listen, I, I cussed worse than any sailor. Listen, I was doing things that, that everybody else in the world was doing. But Christian, I knew at that moment, I knew that God was dealing with my heart. And I said, you know what, I need to feel, I need to know. Listen, what little bit of church I had been to, listen, my mamaw took me to a little Southern Baptist church, and, and listen, I thank God for little Southern Baptist grandmoms and, and stuff like that. I thank God for the Baptists. I thank God for every denomination. But I believe that God put me where I could feel the Spirit of God more now than ever. And listen, I felt it at her church because they would shout there. And I thought they were crazy. But in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 17, Jesus answered and said to them, Blessed are you, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood had not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You see, we can have all the head knowledge that we want. We can have more degrees than a thermometer, but without the Holy Spirit revealing Him to us, listen, we'll never know the trueness of Him. You'll truly never know who He is. Because if it wasn't for the Father speaking it to Peter, he could have missed an opportunity. And listen, the thing that I love about Peter, and he's probably my, my favorite character in the Bible, is because 
right here, Peter was the smartest man on the planet. Listen, I mean, when you read this right here, I'd say Peter was taking a Pentecostal fit because he had got the right answer. But all you got to do is just read a few verses over and he rebukes Jesus himself. Listen, it's important that we be in tune with God. And just like uh, Karen was talking this morning, I believe that sometimes it's easy to get out of frequency. I remember Darla said just a few weeks ago back in our youth room, is sometimes it, it's just like an antenna. And sometimes whenever we're listening to our favorite songs or, or, or uh, we're listening to our favorite radio station, you can go across Jellicoe Mountain or you can start, if you go to Cincinnati like we do quite a bit, listen, you can get up around Berea and, and the Christian radio station here will start to static just a little bit. And I believe that that's the way that we get as Christians sometimes is, is we get out of static just a little bit. And sometimes I believe God says, you know what, I want you to fine-tune yourself just a little bit and I want you to find that station so I can move in you. Listen, I believe good people all the time can get a little static in their lives a little bit. Listen, there's times I get some static in my life and I have to say this morning, I say, God, tune me into the frequency that you want in my life right now so I can hear you more clear. Nicholas, if you guys would, you could come. In Matthew 16, verse number 18, it says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Peter means Petros for a piece of small rock, movable rock. Petra is the rock that the church is built on that cannot be moved. You see, whenever you're part of a rock that builds on the rock, listen, there's just something about it. You see, hell itself can't defeat you. It doesn't matter what you're facing right now. You may say, Dwight, I don't know. You don't have a clue what I'm going through, and I don't. But you know what? I serve a God that knows everything that you're going through right now. You're not going to throw nothing at him that's going to throw him up for a loop. You can't go through anything that's going to surprise him this morning. Listen, but if you're built upon that rock, if you are that rock that's built on the rock, Listen, he's going to take care of you this morning. It doesn't matter what the devil's got, what kind of schemes that he's going to throw at you. Just know that God's got you this morning. God's got you this morning. If you would, let's stand across the building. My question to you this morning is, who do you say that Jesus is? You may be in here and say, you know what, I, I don't feel God like I used to. I don't feel his presence like I once did. You know what? All you got to do is just turn the fre frequency just a little bit. All you got to do is, is, is tune in to him just a little bit and say, God, oh, oh, yeah, that's it right there. That's, that's where I want to be. I, I can hear your voice. Maybe you're here and you, you're kind of, Say, so, you know what, I, I've, not, I've not felt His presence in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. It talks about being filled with the Spirit. Being filled here, and listen, I, I was quite proud because I looked this up and, and I thought of Karen. It's a verb. And, and it indicates a continually reoccurring action that takes place in our life. Being filled and baptized in the Holy Ghost isn't just a one-time thing. But it's something that is reoccurring time and time in our walk. You see, I believe that in our, our churches today, sometimes we, 
we, we take emotion. But you know what? I, I believe God wants to fill the church again. I believe God still wants to baptize us. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, dear God, our most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you today. God, I thank you for everything that you mean to us, Lord. And God, I ask you right now, Lord, God, that we would take a survey right now in our life and ask this personal question, who do you say you are to us? Maybe you're here in this place and you say, you know what, Dwight, I'm lost, I'm backslidden. I don't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior right now. I have a lot of head knowledge. I know all the right answers. But you know what, if he was to come this morning, I wouldn't go to heaven. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me, pray for me, Dwight. everybody you can look at me this morning maybe you're here this morning you say Dwight I, I need to tune in my frequency just a little bit because I don't hear God the way that I used to maybe you need to say you know what I need to dig into these altars and I need to know what I think about him I need to take a, a moment and I need to step back and I need to say who do you say that I am because I'm going to tell you what he says you are you are an overcomer you are a mighty man of God. You are a mighty woman of God. Listen, you are the head and you're not the tail. Listen, you are overcomer by the word of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The devil is defeated. Listen, you are victorious this morning. So listen, don't let the devil tell you anything less because I'm going to tell you something. God has already done it in your situation. All you got to do is believe it. So my question to you this morning is, who do you say that I am? If you would, as they sing this morning, let's fill these altars. Listen, let's fill them. Come on, as they sing.